Hey, welcome to the Jeff Reinbold Show. This is the show after St. Patty's Day. So if we have any kinds of glitches with the engineering, if the screen goes dead, if, you know, you got to remember that Michael is Irish and St. Patty's Day was just a few days ago. So we're not quite sure what we've got working in the control room right now. But I want to bring our draft analyst, Oliver Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network back. And we are going to talk about one of the positions that has gained. We talk about devaluing the running backs. This position is the hot position right now in the National Football League, the tight end. So, Ali, welcome back. Let's talk some tight ends. Yeah, the um, you talk about the value of the position of the tight ends in the NFL. This 2023 NFL draft class is absolutely brimming. And I mean brimming with tight end talent. There are so many. I think Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network said he has 11 tight ends with um, top three round grades on his board, which, you know, is staggering um, compared to previous draft classes. Um it's it's a great class of pass uh, of pass catching tight ends. It's a great passive uh, class of, of blocking tight ends. There's some guys who can do both really well. It's um yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about these guys and see where you have them against where I have them. All right, well this let, let's get right to it because I had a Bronco fan just hit the show, and his only comment was. <laughs> So that's a good place to start with Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, which is rapidly becoming tight end you. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost poetic that this show's going out just after the St. Patrick's Day, the Irish festival, because Michael Mayer out of the Notre Dame fighting Irish, for me, is the absolute cream of the crop in this tight end class. This is a kid who looks like an NFL tight end and has looked like an NFL tight end since he came out of high school. This is a kid who is an exceptional pass catcher. He's racked up 800 plus yards in the last two seasons, each of the last two seasons for, for Notre Dame as the go-to receiving weapon. You know, you, you don't talk about Notre Dame wide receivers so much. You talk about Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame option in the in the the fighting Irish passing game. That's what he's been. He's excellent technician as a pass catcher. Um the his ability to to contort his frame for a six foot four and a half, 249 pound big guy to to pull off spectacular sideline catches is just incredible. His his tape is absolutely littered with catches that make you go, man, that that really shouldn't be possible. Um for his size, he, he there were some concerns about how he tested at the combine. I thought some people who didn't think he tested as well as they were expecting. I think when you flip on the tape, there's no concerns there. The acceleration and lateral agility for the, a guy of his size, good stop-start ability. He's not a he's not a guy who you have to wait three days for him to slow down or speed up. His stop-start ability is excellent. I think as a pass catcher, he, he can provide instant value in the NFL. And I think at the tight end position, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's almost the utility man of the offense. You want a guy who can bring value as a as a blocker as well. And I think that's what Michael Mayer does. You know, he's a clever, very um, high football IQ kind of guy who understands the technical nuances of all phases of the game and 
when you watch him square up and absorb contact as a pass protector, I think there's not too many who who are in this class can can do that at such a high level. And he can move a guy in the run game as well. He's incredibly aggressive as a as a as a run blocker for for the Notre Dame run game. That you you know you've seen they've got a great couple of backs heading back to college football for 2023. And Michael Mayer has done a great job of leading the way for them. And you look at the flip side of him. Um, is he a is he a sharp? Twitchy route runner, no, he isn't. Is he um completely technically refined as a blocker? No, there's you know some hand placement and hand time and some timing issues as a blocker, and some of his gate, some of his early tape, there's some this concentration drops on there as well. Um, but I think when you look at the full evaluation of a tight end position, I don't think there's anyone that ticks as many boxes as emphatically as Michael Mayer does. All right. I agree with everything that you just said. And to me, to me, coming out of the season, heading for the combine, if you said, give me one clean prospect that I can make a first round draft choice and I'm going to get production and I'm going to get character and I'm going to get leadership and I'm going to get, you know, all of it. I'd have said Michael Meyer. Now between the combine and the draft, there would be, if I'm going to work him out, there would be some things that I would want to see. I would want to really work at with him on balls that are off of his body. I want to see him, not, not so much, Ollie, the range, his catching range, but you're talking about, and this is, I think this is the minutia of the combine. You're talking about a guy that doesn't have big hands for a tight end. He's got small hands for a tight end. So, you watch him catch the ball at Notre Dame, and I don't have any problem with his hand selection, his hand, you know, his ability to, he is a hands catcher primarily. He'll go off his body like most of them will, but I would want to see that on fastballs, right? Because if a guy's hand size is a concern, it's the ball off his body that comes with velocity, that makes it hard to catch those. I, I would constantly, I'd get a jugs machine. I'd crank that sucker up and I'd make that guy catch every ball like that. The other thing is the athleticism part. Now that concerns me less if I'm in an offense where I'm not flanking him out and I'm not trying to make him Travis Kelsey. Cause I don't think he's Travis Kelsey. I think they're more Travis Kelsey like players in this tight end pool. But if you want that traditional inline and can flex some tight end, then I think you, this is your guy, right? And so I think, again, it's going to come down to what you're looking for. Cause there's some teams in this league in the national football league that need tight ends, you know, you talk about the Cowboys. If Dalton Schultz leaves, what are they going to do? Are, do they feel like they have a guy that's legit number one right there with their young guys? You know, it's it's the same thing. We saw how important depth at that position is for some teams. You know, and I'll go back to the playoffs where San Francisco's, you know, entire season gets blown up because a backup tight end can't hold up who he shouldn't have been, you know, Tyler Croft's never been that guy, right? So they yeah. ask a guy to do something he couldn't do, and it cost them their, their career. This guy is more suited 
to be able to do those kinds of things. But are you so good in San Francisco that you can take this kid and sit him behind George Kittle? Probably not. So it's going to, I think where he lands is going to be a really fascinating, fascinating, you know, trip, I guess, as we go forward. Um, I want to ask you about a kid, right? And it's Georgia again. It's <laughs> production versus potential again. And it's a guy that went to the combine and all of a sudden, I mean, he was, he was a guy. I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, but he was the number two tight end at Georgia, the number two tight end at Georgia. And now there are people who are saying that this kid's going to get drafted in the first round. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Darnell Washington. Yes, we are. We are talking about. So Darnell Washington is my third ranked tight end in this class. And you, you may, you, you sum it up perfectly. It's a, a production versus potential um, question with Darnell Washington. It's a, what do you want your tight end to do for you? Question with Darnell Washington. Well, this is a kid who, excuse me, it's six, seven and 264 pounds. He's just an over an extra meal a day from being an offensive lineman. You know, he's not too dissimilar size. You call him a slender offensive lineman out of high school if he was coming out of that size right now. And he's got 34 and 38 inch arms. He's got 11 inch hands. He's like a builder tight end in a laboratory freak of a tight end prospect, is what he is. And uh, wait, well, let's let now before we go, we go before we go any further. This is what I'm talking about, right? We had this same damn conversation about Trayvon Walker last year, right? If you went in the lab and you said, build me a defensive end or outside linebacker, depending on what scheme you're running, it would have looked just like Trayvon Walker when it walked out the lab, right? But when the game started, he went back to being who he was. And he ended his rookie season with three sacks, right? And wasn't even playing in situational downs as a first round draft pick. Right. And then you look at Aiden Hutchinson. I know I'm on my, I know I'm on my soapbox right now, but you look at Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> he goes in, he plays every down, he, he gets nine and a half sacks, three interceptions. Right. And if, and if there isn't a guy named sauce Gardner in the draft, he's probably the defensive rookie of the year. Right. So I, I, I worry about Darnell Washington because he can't beat out the starter at Georgia. I think the thing with the thing with that is they're asked to do two very different things, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, um, in that Georgia offense. And it, it'll happen, it'll it'll be the same thing again this year. Georgia has got an absolute stable of tight ends and and now they've got um a change in offensive coordinator. You're gonna see a, a guy who dominates as a pass catcher like Brock Bowers and a guy who does the dirty work and doesn't get the recognition for it, which is is kind of the guy Darnell Washington has been at at times. Um because when you look at him as a blocker. You look at what he does in there uh, in, as a blocker. Incredibly strong, powerful blocker. Grip strength in pass protection is incredible. Power in run in, in run blocking is is insane, as it should be from for for a guy who we've just said is a slender offensive lineman. Um, at the end of the day, um, there's there's a lot to work on with him, and it comes down to that production um, projection. You know, he's not an overly developed route runner because that's not what he's asked been asked to do at Georgia. His hands, 
for a guy with 11 inch hands, he, there's a lot of drops on his tape. Um, it can be, you know, he's, he's prone to not really looking the ball in and catching it um, as you'd expect. And some of these other tight ends that we're going to talk about have that, that pure catching ability. Um, but an NFL team is going to fall in love with that freak athleticism, that freak size, the the blocking ability that he's already shown and what they can do with him as, as a, a potential in the passing game. Um, right. It's just like, right. when, when is when's that going to come? That's what you need to know. When is it going to come? I, I surrender. Like I surrender. I'm, I'm waving the white flag. <laughs> here we go again, right? To say that they didn't ask him to do it, I get that. Yes, that is true. But do you think in his time at Georgia, they didn't coach him? That they didn't oh, no. want him to be able to do all those things? Absolutely. So you're talking about some of the best college football coaches in the country at one of the best programs in the country. And it's the same thing I heard people say about Trayvon Walker last year. I actually heard this from a, a draft analyst that his job was to push the ball to all the other players on defense. If that's true, then I am, I'm never podcasting again, never talking football again. <laughs> I'm going to go live in a cave and I'm done with football because it's insane, right? Yeah. Now, everything you said about this kid, I agree with 100%. But yeah, I also, when you when I hear a guy who knows football like you, Ali, say those things, then I start thinking third round. I don't think first round. I think third round, right? I'll go get me a blocking tight end in the third round because I got Travis Kelsey or I got, you know, all these all these guys these prototypical tight ends that aren't really blockers that you know they just kind of get in the way right this kid will go maul your ass in the run game i i'm with you on that but do you spend first round draft capital on a blocking tight end those days ended in like 1974 <laughs> yeah uh, i i i think you I think you're absolutely right, Jeff. <laughs> I do. I, I think. I think when you look at this tight end class, when you look at the draft as a whole. I do think Michael Mayer should go in the first round. I do think there's potential that another guy that we haven't talked about yet, but we will do very shortly. I suspect might go in the first round. I think Darnell Washington's place is in day two, um, because of you know because of the things we have just talked about. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see on. April the twenty seventh. All right, you got another first rounder. Who's your Who's your second first rounder? Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Ah, there you go. Now we got a Now we got a Travis Kelsey like. So Dalton Kincaid, I, I love Utah tight ends because I'm a massive fan of his teammate Brant Keith, um, who unfortunately was you know suffered injury this year. I think he would have been a, a great draft prospect for this year. He's gone back to university, but Dalton Kincaid, um, similar size to Michael Mayer. Uh, six four two forty six, um, longer arms, bigger hands, um, comfortably for me one of the best, if not the best, catching tight end in this class. Easy, natural pass catcher, um, plugs the ball out of the sky at the highest point. Strong hands for a big guy can get down and pick it up off the turf before it hits the turf. Obviously, um, just a, a whole array of, um. 
of, of, of catches on his college football resume as a leader of that Utah offense. Um, good route runner, good separation creator. He's explosive as an athlete through a big guy. Um, there is there is a lot to love. As you as you said about these some of these guys, he'll put himself in the way. He's not a technical blocker by any stretch of the imagination, um, but he'll he's willing. He'll put himself in you know harm's way to protect his quarterback or to get involved in the ground game. Um, but that that ability that he brings as a pass catcher is um, incredible for a guy who is relatively inexperienced at the position comparative to the rest of the class. Because this is a kid who didn't start playing tight end until very late, very late starter. Um, so to be as 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 well nuanced as he is in some of those elements of of the tight end position is very impressive. Um, the, there'll be question marks over the you know he, he played, excuse me, suffered injury and a back injury um, towards the end of the season for Utah. Played through it, so as you tick in the competitive toughness box, um, but there will be question marks whenever you get something that's you know a back back related, something that's a serious. Um, uh, seriously impacts how you potentially move um, something that can potentially be very easily re-aggravated. That's going to be something that NFL teams are going to want to make sure that medical slate is completely whistle clean. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a pure ass-catching tight end in this class, you can't go wrong with Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, and I think too with Kincaid, and I know this is true of the Seahawks, and I think there, I, I know there are other teams that are so the Seahawks are probably the most outspoken about it. They love multiple sport athletes, guys who have played other sports. And you go, you look at Dalton Kincaid's resume, and he was really more of a basketball player as a high school kid. And, you know, there have been some pretty good tight ends who were basketball with basketball backgrounds. Got Tony Gonzalez went to Cal and played both basketball and and played tight end at Cal. Antonio Gates was a you know was 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 a pure basketball player at at uh, Kent State and then turned into a Hall of Fame tight end. Now will this kid be a Hall of Fame tight end? I don't think so. I don't know. That's you know we'll see. I, you know again I shouldn't say I don't think so. That's to be seen. But I do love all the things you talk about. That you talked about the you know the nuanced ability in the run game he'll he'll get that he's never gonna be uh, he's never gonna be George Kittle at the point of attack but I think he can be a very good tight end in the National Football League he's a Dalton Schultz to me with maybe more athleticism yeah well the the Dallas Cowboys would make a good landing spot for him it would um, be fantastic I think there's a handful of teams that that you use a guy like Dalton Kincaid you know you look at um, the Jaguars how Doug Peterson likes to use two Titans says you look at you know, the, the Packers are, are always in need of um, that next that next guy at the tight end position um, Bengals the Bengals could use a hyper athletic hyper athletics probably pushing it a little bit but an athletic tight end like Dalton Kincaid there's there's lots the Patriots, of teams the, the, that, yeah, the Patriots just made a move and you know traded their tight end so there's a place right there for especially this is this is the kind of kid I think that would fit in, in you know in that New England locker room yeah let, for sure let, let me ask you you know when we move on from Kincaid I want to ask you about a guy that has battled some injury stuff, but there is 
stuff about this kid that I like, right? I like the fact that Luke Musgrave is 6'6", 250 pounds. I like the fact that Luke Musgrave comes from an athletic family, right? You know, it's amazing that his father and his brother were both, you know, Oregon Ducks, and he ends up, you know, playing, choosing to go, not, not because it was, he didn't have the opportunity to go to Oregon. Oregon loved him. And he goes to Oregon state to create his own legacy. I kind of like that about a kid. Right. And, um, battled through injury, but when he got to the senior bowl and he got to the East West game, like he just lit it up. What's your take on Musgrave? He's, he's he's a handful he's difficult like he's he moves differently from most men that you know that are six foot six 250 pounds he's fast but he's also explosive he's an impressive accelerator this is a as a pure vertical threat that's instantaneously that's like well this is this is a kid i can put in my offense and run in a straight line up the seam and have him take the top off the defense like almost instantly as soon as he lands in your uh, your program i think actually he's what we focus on is his athletic ability. He's actually a pretty good route runner in terms of the the technical and the nuance in that element of the game. Um, a very clever football player. You know, we talked about it with a with a wide receivers last week. This is a kid who knows where to be to really put the defense in a bind to manipulate those soft spots in zones. This you know, this is a kid who it's there, it's there in his brain. Um, so he's physically and athletically impressive, just coming in off the back, coming out of out of college. He's mentally already very well developed. Um, I think if you wanted to poke holes in his game, you talked about the injury. That's a knee injury when you're an explosive athlete is always concerning. Um, but he'll have been through medicals at the NFL Combine. That's teams will know what they're dealing with where that's concerned. Um. I, the, the negatives are all things that we've talked about in the what do you need out of your tight end. I don't think he's as physical, um, physically strong as a guy like Michael Mayer at the point of attack. Um, I think sometimes his pad level as a when he plays as a blocker is not quite there where you would like it to be. But again, that's something that's coachable. It's a coachable point in his game. Um and it's you know it's probably not what you're going to need out of him as soon as you get him on the field as an NFL rookie because you'll just utilize that straight line explosion and speed to find yourself a dangerous dangerous weapon um, early on in his NFL career. All right, now probably not a first round guy, but I think second day guy in my on my board certainly, and I'm anxious to hear what you got to say. You know. FC or excuse me, FCS kids take a beating sometimes because of the fact they play at quote small college situation. And I think when you evaluate a player who plays in that environment, then you have to look at him. You can only judge him against who he's playing, right? But he better dominate at that level, right? And I see enough on tape, even though he's raw in some parts of his game. But I did a little research on this kid, and he was basically a running back when he was a high school kid. So he has skills with the ball in his hands. You can see it in his game. Got injured 
his senior year, didn't get recruited very hard, and ends up at South Dakota State, right? Which that's a great FCS program, national championship program, but it's still South Dakota State. Tucker Crafts, what's your take on him? I'd take Tucker Craft before I took Luke Musgrave. Um, in all seriousness, uh, I love Tucker Craft's game. I've got him as my fourth rated tight end um, as we head towards the, the NFL draft process. He's, um, <clears throat> like you say, when you play that at that level, you better dominate that level. And I think Tucker Craft has done that when he's been on the field for South Dakota State. I think he's comfortably the, the best player on the field. And South Dakota State is a, a program that has had multiple guys go to the NFL. We saw Pierre Strong, the running back, last year. Um, they've got a running back in next year's class, Isaiah Davis, who I think is better than Pierre Strong. Um so they're not a team that is lacking in talent by the stretch of the imagination, but Tucker Craft always looks like the best guy out there. He's a guy who can, um, you talk about his, him being a former running back. You see it on his tape because he can make a guy miss. For a guy that's six foot five, 254 pounds, he can make a man miss because he's still got that lateral agility that he had when he was a running back. He's still got that long speed that he had when he was a running back. And he's still got all of the, the athletic... Um, ability that we, you know, you saw him test great at the combine, former running back, it's, it's there. And as a pass catcher, good ball tracking, extends well, physical in contested catch situations. And this is, for me, where there's a separation or a very a slight separation between Tucker Craft and, and Luke Musgrave is Tucker Craft gets on that field. And now whether it's because of being under-recruited um, as you mentioned there, his, his path to South Dakota State, whether it's because of that, but he goes out there on every single rep with a mentality of an offensive lineman. This is a kid who wants to pile drive you as a run blocker. This is a kid who's got the length and strength to be to hold up in pass protection as well. And he just wants to barrel through people. And I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. And when you're evaluating a prospect that, that makes you feel that way, like, that's when you know you're on something good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and uh, again, you can't hold him hostage to who he played against. You can only evaluate him against who he played against. And I think he's done enough and will do enough, you know, in the post-combine workouts that people are going to realize what this kid can be. You know, Daniel Jeremiah said there's 11. You got any more you want to bring to the table? I mean, we could just list off like the entire tight end class and go, well, this Guys can do this and this guy. Iowa is a tight end factory. I think Sam Laporta is a guy that not a lot of people talk about. Um, I know um, I'm not quite as high on him as this, but I know he could have been in last year's draft class. And Tony Pauline at Pro Football Network said that he thought Sam Laporta could be a round two tight end as the second overall tight, like second tight end prospect in the class. Um, I, I don't see that. But he moves very uniquely for a guy of his size. He gets involved in the dirty elements of the game, as you expect from a guy that went and played at Iowa. Um, I think Sam Laporta is a guy that that would probably have a better NFL career than he has had a collegiate career. Um, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion um, is a guy that not a lot of people talked about. He blew the, the, the roof off the combine, so he's getting some attention now, but you go back again. I, I had the opportunity to to dive into the Sun Belt last that, August. When we talk about 
this kid, he, isn't he a Penn, Penn State transfer? So he actually has, he has yeah. a background of being an elite, at least elite recruit going to Penn yeah. State. Well, he was an elite athlete. This was an elite track and field athlete who you saw that at the combine. Like he put up ridiculous numbers for a kid who is is the size he is. Um, but when you actually, when you watch Old Dominion, um, there's a lot to love about his game as a football player. You know, he is uh, the cat the the catch point ability, the the ball tracking, the you know a decent route runner. Um, loves to get involved in the in the run blocking element of a tight end position as well. Um, but when you're six five and you move like that, like that's that starts to open eyes, and I think people will go back to Zach Kunz's tape and go, well, actually, this kid can play football as well as you know blow the but blow the the roof off Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, yeah, it's an incredibly deep climb. Like Luke Shoemaker out of Michigan is a guy not a lot of people talk about. He's, yeah, I tell you what, he's He That's the way I pronounce it. He is a – we played them this year, and I'm going to tell you something. He's a full-grown man. And yeah. not only a really good inline blocker, as you would expect a kid at Michigan. I mean, he's not an elite inline blocker. He's a good inline blocker. But I'm going to tell you something. When they needed a play in the pass game, that was the guy that made plays for him. Yeah, he's um, again a very underrated guy. Payne Durham out of um, Purdue, Will Mallory, the tight end out of Miami, is a guy who's getting a little bit more buzz now because he ran the fastest forty-yard dash. But Miami has consistently made um, has, has, has consistently had good tight ends that have gone on and, and done you know done work in the NFL. Um, so yeah, but you, you could you know I think. There's probably going to be upwards nearly of 20 tight ends who could hear their name drafted over the course of the three days. You know, that sounds absolutely insane. And you talk about numbers like that, but it is true. And one of the reasons for the fans that wonder about that, one of the reasons is the tight end position in today's National Football League is a much more valuable position than it's ever been and in the old days it was (laughs) in the old days it was you know get yourself a pass catcher get yourself a run blocker and then your third guy would play special teams for you but I think it's it's to the point now where coaches are starting to realize that if I can carry four I'll carry four on the roster because they're always going to be you know, they're hard matchups, they're big, they're long, they're physical, they can run. And, you know, as defenses, and this is really interesting, defenses are changing, right? So you look at linebackers now, and linebackers are getting smaller. You know, it used to be linebackers had to be 250 to play inside. You know, now we're playing with 225 pound guys inside. Well, what position on the football field other than edge, are you going to find that 6'4", 255-pound guy that can run down the field and cover punts and cover kickoffs and, you know, play in your special teams game? And it's the tight end position. So there's a there's a much bigger need for tight ends than there's ever been. Yeah, and you, we talked earlier about teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars who, you know, will run a lot of two tight end sets like Doug Peterson's made – a living pretty much out of that's that's his offensive identity and and you know a lot of teams at the college level like Georgia we've mentioned you know a couple of times in this 
that's that's going to be their offensive identity and you know you're always going to need therefore to to find multiple guys at the position and they they are you know they are valuable and you know with guys like you know we talked about George Kittle and we talked about you know so TJ Hawkinson get traded this this last season that can be finding a guy like that is a a big difference maker for your offense but right, you know see that that's that's two guys that we talk like those weren't like Heisman trophy candidate names when they were college football players as a matter of fact i was fascinated to hear the talking to a guy at the 49ers that they actually found kittle watching cj bethard's tape when cj was the quarterback at iowa and they kept saying who the hell is that like he had 40 i think he wore like 46 or something he had some goofy number for a tight end they said who in the hell is that guy blocking people off them off the screen right and that's how they found kittle right hawkinson you know yeah, he was a good football player, but he wasn't like nobody was raving about that guy. They're out there, man. This there is a bunch of them out there, and if you need one, this is the year for you to need one because there's plenty of them, plenty of them available. Ali, again, knock it out of the park every time we do this, and you know now we are just about ready to move to the big men and the guys that, for my money, you win with. And if you ain't got them, just ask the Denver Broncos. If you ain't got them, just ask the New York Jets because you better have them. And that's the offensive lineman. So we'll we'll do tackles and then we'll do inside guys as as two separate podcasts. But like I said, congratulations, my friend. You're you're batting a thousand. Cheers, Jeff. Always appreciate you. All right, bro. 